So Simon, I think there's something you've been dying to say. Yes, indeed, Carla. This episode of What's Mops Got To Do With It is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hello again and welcome to this episode of What's Mops Got To Do With It, the podcast that's trying to get to the bottom of what marketing operations looks like inside the corporate landscape. I'm Carla Wentworth. And I'm Simon Daniels. And this episode is a little different to normal, Simon. It is indeed. That's right. We've been on the road and recorded a segment of the podcast live at the B2B Marketing Martacopia Conference, where we spoke to our marketing operations leader guest, Holly Gage, Senior Manager, Marketing Technology EMEA at leading identity provider, Okta, and also chatted, as always, with our friend, independent stateside marketing operations consultant and principal at Mustang Martech, Courtney Makara, when we grabbed a virtual on-screen coffee with Courtney. That's right. And we'll be hearing the live recording in just a few moments. And then we'll be returning back to the studio for our marketing leader segment, where we've got another slight change in format. We'll be speaking to not one, but two top voices from the world of B2B marketing, Steve Kemish and Shane Redding. We had to bring in an extra seat. Do we have space for an extra seat? We, we found space. We, always make, <laughs> we make it work. We make it work. So before we get into the conversation, um, and now that you've had some time to reflect, Simon, what were your highlights from the conference? Yeah, well, there was there was quite a few, that's that's for sure. And so um, the ones that, that really come to mind were a couple of comments um, in the opening keynote fireside chat, ably hosted by yourself, Carla, um, you. along with uh, Steve, Steve Gemish, who we'll be uh, hearing from shortly. Um, and and also Shane. Um, Steve mentioned uh, his concept of MarTechonomics um, or applying economic thinking to MarTech strategy and said, buying and managing your tech stack by considering some fundamentals of economies brings real benefit. Um, and setting aside whether the world needs another onomics, um, I, did, uh, I did like that. Um, and then, in, in the same chat, um, Christine Bailey made reference to the MOPS eye roll, reportedly the reaction from marketing operations people when tasked with yet another, another mission impossible. Um, pretty certain I've never done that myself, just trying to cast my mind back. Uh, <laughs> not to anybody's face anyway. Um, it does, It does. let's face it, sum up how it feels in, in MOPS sometimes, though, doesn't it? Uh, just, just when somebody comes along and says, yeah, I just need this installed and integrated in time for an event next week. Um, so uh, I know where she's coming from on that. Um, then uh, Kerry Cunningham, um, who used to be at um, Forrester Serious Decisions and is now um, at um, an account engagement solution provider called Sixth Sense, um, started off by comparing the medieval practice of trepanning, uh, which is basically drilling holes in people's heads, uh, with much of modern marketing, uh, which doesn't seem obvious to begin with, but he, uh, he, he definitely made it make sense. Um, and essentially we're saying, in other words, that based on the notion that it seems like it should work, um, rather than actually taking an evidence-led approach. So, you know, if you've got a headache, he said, sometimes you feel like if I could just drill a hole in my head, it would make it all better and release the pressure. And similarly, with, with a lot of marketing, it's just like, if we, if we just sent some more email or made them longer or shorter or something, 
that that would do the trick um as opposed to really looking at what what's making the difference so um i uh, I, I thought that was a good point and then he also mentioned um a blog post i think of his from a, a little while back um which makes reference to the drapozoic era um in other words the time when marketing was just liquor and guessing uh, to coin a, uh, a Dilbertism that I've mentioned on the podcast before. So uh, yeah, I'm going to try and work Draper Zoic into, uh, into the conversation in the Rather future. Rather than Dilbert. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Or maybe both. I mean, you know, you, you just can't, you can't overdo it, maybe. Um, and um, Holly, as well as um, speaking to us um, in our session, which we'll, we'll be hearing in just a moment, um, also delivered her own talk on nurturing the skills needed for successful marketing operations um, and talked about various um, aspects of that, in, including um, the, uh, the hub and spoke model that, 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 um, that she, she mentioned when we spoke to her as well and how that works at Okta um, and the right skills and skill levels and deploying them centrally and, and regionally um, in, a, in a sort of complex enterprise environment. So um, I thought that was a really great, um, you know, a great description of MOPS and MarTech management in a, in a more complex um, environment. Um, and then um, Ross Powell, um, who is the managing director at um, an agency called Sharper B2B Marketing, um, was talking about MarTech adoption and, and you know, brought in the concept of nudge theory. Um, if, um, if, if you're familiar with that or come across that, the, the, the idea of sort of behavioral economics uh, to persuade people to, to do what you want them to do rather than just telling them what you want them to do. Um, then uh, Tony, uh, excuse me, Tony Allen at the IEC um, had a great talk on again bringing in um, new Martech and, and deploying it from scratch, um, and the importance of expectations management, which I think is is always a good a good uh, watchword for for marketing operations, um, and um, sort of consolidating progress at, at each stage rather than just rushing for the for the summit. Um, and then um, Doug Kessler, always good value, uh, had um, a, an entertaining and, and humorous, but I, I thought really genuinely um, from a content perspective, uh, good overview on basically all things Web3. Um, and while I think his overall take was yeah there's a lot of bs and and you know um snake oil uh you know there, there are some genuine b2b use cases and opportunities uh, um arising and um emerging from the the scams and nonsense so it, it certainly can't be dismissed and um we've we've mentioned it briefly on the podcast ourselves in the past and it's something that we will return to in our next episode in fact so yeah, that that's what um, that's what caught my eye, Carla. Um, don't know if there's anything else that uh, that you you particularly. I don't think you've across. left me anything else to talk about, Simon. That oh, was not really. Cool. No. Nope. <laughs> that was awesome. No, look, um, I was honoured to be involved with uh, Martechopia and playing a, playing a part of of hosting as well as speaking at it. Um, it was a great event. There was a couple of things that that really caught my eye. You've mentioned some of them. So the Marteconomics, I think, is something we're gonna we're gonna hear. Um, in the future, I too loved um, Russ's 
uh, Russ Powell's uh, from Sharper B2B, um, his nudging. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a particularly in tech adoption, something that was really important to me. Yeah. I love the way he, he put that across. And and yes, even that NFT, you know, you know how I feel about NFTs in, in the B2B marketing world. But actually what really caught me was smart contracts and smart contracts. Maybe that's something we'll, we'll talk about another time. But um, that very, very much has a place uh, in our future. Absolutely. With that, uh, we'll move on, I think. Absolutely. And enjoy Martechopia Live. It's not the quantity, it's the quality right there. So hello and welcome to What's Mott's Got to Do With It. This is a live podcast um, and this is the marketing operations podcast that's trying to get to the bottom of what marketing operations looks like in the corporate landscape. I'm Carla Wentworth. And I'm Simon Daniels. So today is very different. Today is something certainly we're not used to. So this is live. We have to fit a podcast in at a conference in half the time without the ability to edit out any of the rubbish bits. All the bloopers. Indeed. Okay. So yeah, no pressure at all. Right. So let's start by explaining what the podcast is. Indeed. So normally we would speak to a marketing leader and a marketing operations specialist um, to get their understanding and experience of marketing operations. Um, And we also uh, join our friend and marketing operations and marketing technology guru, Courtney Makara, from across the pond um, to get her perspective on things um, in what we like to call uh, a virtual coffee with Courtney. Um, and then we sprinkle in a little bit of insight from Carla and I. Well, a very little bit. How we like to think of it anyway. <laughs> so, as mentioned, we don't have time for all of that today, but what we are going to do is have a chat with Holly Gage. And indeed, we will be speaking to Courtney. Uh, so, with that, let me say good morning, Courtney. Look Hello, at that. everybody. Uh, good morning. <laughs> Shall we, uh, we... have a seat? Did you hear that, Connie? That was all for you. <laughs> that was lovely. What a great welcome. Thank you. And it is bright and early here uh, in Portland, Oregon, and I am enjoying my lovely coffee. <laughs> Splendid. And what a what a wonderful uh, coffee vessel you have there. So um, thanks indeed for joining us. Uh, it is indeed um, very much the morning for you. So appreciate you uh, you getting up early. Although daylight savings is uh, is on your side, since you're you're an hour closer to us than uh, than normal. Um, but good, good to see that you're, uh, you're coffeeed up already. So um, stick around. Uh, we'll come back to you in a little bit and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk again shortly. Yeah, so it's worth saying that on our journey to find out what MOPS is, normally, nine times out of ten, we end up talking about technology. So that's why we're here and that's why it's relevant, marketing operations and MarTech. Um, Courtney, loads of technology in your world. Simon, loads of technology in your world. I'm no doubt loads, loads of technology for you guys. So we want to try and push into that a little bit. We'll do that with our next guest, uh, Holly, and then we'll have, have a bit of a Q&A at the end. And that's where the chocolate comes into it. So that's where you need to kind of get your heads up for that. So uh, shall we bring in the next guest? Let's do it. Hopefully live on our screen is the wonderful Holly Gage. <laughs> there she is, more <laughs> whooping and cheering. Fantastic. So Holly joined us earlier. It would be lovely if she was on stage with us, but unfortunately the pandemic has caught up with her in the worst way, which has uh, left her at home. Such but you bad look well. timing. Yeah, you look well. 
So um, Holly, Senior Marketing Manager of the Marketing Technology in EMEA um, for Okta, which is a leading identity provider. Holly's got an extensive track record in marketing leadership and consulting. Um, she was bitten with the MarTech bug about 10 years ago. Holly, it's absolutely awesome to have us with you. How are you feeling? I'm all right. I'm getting there. I think, uh, you know, almost, almost out of the woods, almost out of the house. I think I'll be allowed out tomorrow. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Allowed out of the house. I don't get allowed out very often. Anyway, um, so normally what we do is spend probably 20 minutes talking to someone, but we haven't got the time for that today, Holly. So this is an interview on speed. So okay. um, pre get prepared for the barrage of questions. We would also normally ask you about your marketing operations journey, but we haven't got any time for that. So just look at the link anybody that's, uh, that wants to know. So um, the hot topic that I do want to talk to you about there, Holly, is what I'm hearing multiple times over and over again, which is around shared service centers or centers of excellence. I'm sure you'll have heard it today or even demand gen centers. Um, and Okta is kind of rocking that model at the minute. So do you want to tell us a bit more about how it works for you globally? Yeah, so um, exactly as you said, we are, you know, that's the model that we have. So in the, our headquarters are in, um, in San Francisco. And our global MarTech team, and I'm part of the global MarTech team, but our global MarTech team are mainly based there. And they are the sort of corporate, they, they establish sort of the global processes. They own all the tools. They're the power users. They're the ones that sort of say, right, you know, they, they do all the plumbing. They, you know, they make sure that the data flows in the right direction um, and set all these sort of governance and the processes that we need, we use as a company. Um, however, we kind of have that sort of um, hub and spoke model. So the spokes, you know, the, um, in EMEA, we've got a marketing operations team. Um, and actually, some of them might be in the room with you there now. Hopefully, they're in the room with you there now. Um, and um, we also have a couple of, uh, we have, you know, the same in APAC. So APAC and EMEA, um, then are connected up to the global team. So the, the local teams are responsible for the day-to-day you know, -day support of the marketing functions, the demand center, the field marketers, the partner marketers, um, helping them with the campaign execution and reporting and you know, even, um, making sure that they adhere to budget management timings and things like that. So they are very much there hand-holding with the marketers locally. And then my role is I'm kind of the spoke, I suppose, and a bit the join between the two. So I am on the global MarTech team representing EMEA, but I then work with the EMEA marketing ops team, um, sort of talking, you know, representing the global MarTech team. So, you know, what are the new processes? What are the tools? How are we using them globally? Do we think we should be using them that way in EMEA? That was a long answer. That was a great answer. That was a detailed answer, which is what we need. You know, we, we talk about shared service centers and I think they're a little bit mythical. Um, so hearing how that kind of works globally is, is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How does there's a, there's a couple of aspects to, to that relationship that that uh, you spoke about there? What one is the local versus global, and I'm also interested in the the Martech versus Mops. Can you maybe expand on that? How how do those kind of interrelationships work, and how how do you manage that across across the business? Yeah, I mean, global versus local, I think, is always an interesting one. So you know, as a as a Mops team, as a Martech team, I think that what we, you know, essentially you want to be able to establish governance and consistency and, you know, and all of the, you know, good foundation that can be rolled out and repeated globally. But the reality is that the requirements are going to be different in different regions. And if we just look at EMEA, for example, the, the fact that we have such strict, you know, GDPR rules and compliance rules, um, and also that the where that's led to, and that's led to, for example, um, 
the publishers that we work with in EMEA uh, to you know, generate leads are so, have become so innovative at coming up with um, you know, ways we can partner with them to drive, drive leads, drive demand, um, that they haven't had to do in, say, in the US as much because we have this, you know, because of GDPR, because we can't just get leads in the same way. So what that's led to is to sort of some different, more um, specific needs in EMEA that maybe are slightly different to the needs in the US. So it might mean that we take a core process and it gets tweaked, or there might be a, you know, a couple of tools, for example, that we need in EMEA that are different to the US. And I'm thinking about, for example, data enrichment tools where compliance and GDPR come in and we, we will use different tools, but we make sure that it's the global team that decide how that they get plumbed in. So they're plumbed in and do not clash and cause any issues with existing processes. You know, if we say we want to onboard this for EMEA, we've got a really good business case. This is why we've looked at it. There's no other tools that do it in our stack. We will then work with the global team to do that. And it actually, it's really helpful having that, that level of expertise. We don't have to have all the experts for everything locally. We have experts on you know, specific, specific mm. things here. Um, but it, it, you know, it really helps. So that's the kind of global local. And then you said MOPS MarTech. I think really they are in terms of the, you know, our team names, for example, I think they're just kind of interchangeable. I mean, our global team is called the global MarTech team and our local team is the global MOPS team, but really they could be either. You could say it's, it's the same. Also it's, you know, pipeline operations is another name that we um that our global martech team has so i think it's really three names for the same same function and do you think that's a common thing that we're going to see now holly in terms of we, we've talking about we defining marketing operations which is hard enough anyway but even the names the names for it is is that now yeah. a common problem as well yeah i think because it's grown so much it is still the wild west it is still sort of a bit of an untamed landscape and there are so many different ways of describing it. It's a little bit like, you know, casting our minds back 20 years. It's like e-commerce, e-commerce, online. You know, it's, you know they, there were so many different terms for things. Or if you look at MarTech, and I know that Scott Brinker always says that the thing he didn't predict was that you didn't need the H in MarTech. The H would drop. You know, there were different yeah, names yeah. for things early on. Then things get streamlined. I think that's where we are. Absolutely. Even like, I'm at a point where I'm going to call it out now. And I think that eventually marketing operations may even disappear and it may just be marketing, you know, as uh, as every marketer starts to use technology and it just gets embedded in every role, in every job, in every action. Yeah. Well, as long as it sticks around for a little bit longer. Well, certainly. In the <laughs> fire anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What one of the things you, you spoke about earlier, Holly, was um, around skills and so on. And, and you, you spoke about uh, bringing on experienced hires versus, um, you know, perhaps uh, people in their first, in their first role and, and, and developing those skills. Is, is that a mix that, that you have um, at Okta? Yes, it is. We actually have, um, you know, particularly in the US, we've got a lot of specialists, but these will be, you know, people in, um, you know, first or second jobs out of university. I mean, really bright, smart people. But right. they don't have to necessarily come to the company knowing how to use all the tools. I mean, it's different if you're using something like Marketo, which is where you know prior expertise really helps. But you can develop people then into that role as well. But you know, it's a little bit different. If we were, if we were, for example, a HubSpot company, I think then it would, you know, you could learn a little bit more on the job. Mm. Um, so yes, we do. We have a mix of people, um, and I think that actually it becomes just 
as we see a real talent shortage globally in marketing operations, I think mm -hmm. that that developing people, um, I think that that just becomes more and more important. In the same way that actually, I think another hot topic is career paths, making sure that you're giving people who are in, once you bring them into marketing operations, that they can see where they can go, where they can, you know, what what's the path for me? It doesn't have to be a, a linear path, mm -hmm. but it's like, what are my options? How do I want to develop? You know, I've, I've you know, you, you don't want people going, well, Kind of conquered this bit now i know what i'm doing i'm a power user if it's a tool related job what do, what do i do next where do i go next you don't want them to just leave and then move into another area of marketing and you lose them from you know marketing operations which is the the best part of marketing well look holly we are speed interview i'm afraid so uh, i could talk to you all day but we'll have to pick up after this um thank you you've been amazing um you look fantastic even if you don't feel it uh, but, uh <laughs> thank we'll you to see you alive and keeping soon thanks again great thanks a lot Okay, let's cross back over to the pond now. Hello again, Courtney. Hello, hello. I'm all caffeinated and ready to chat now. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, um, as, uh, as Carl has just said, it, it is a, a slightly shortened version. So despite the, uh, the, the size of your magnificent uh, coffee vessel there. Don't mention the handle. Yeah, don't mention the handle. Uh, it's more of, a, more of a double espresso conversation today. <laughs> um, so um, this is a MarTech conference. Um, you're a, a MarTech uh, specialist. What's, um, what's kind of rocking your world at the moment? You know, Holly spoke about a lot of things that are on my mind. I think just the landscape of MarTech and marketing operations and how big it is and how much technology is out there. Um, I think it's a little overwhelming. And I think figuring out the skill set of people and the tech that's appropriate for your business, I think is something that we should all be wary of and be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's been touched on. Um, you know, things like um, requirements and context and, and making sure the, the why is clear of, of technology selection. And I, I, I'm sure that's that's advice that you give your clients and, and, and probably, you know, questions that, that you get asked quite regularly. Absolutely. And I think having something like a center of excellence really does help with this. Um, there's actually a title that I saw recently from a friend of mine. She's the senior director of DOPE. D-O-P-E, which was Demand Operations of Excellence. So I really I like that one. I don't care what it is. I just want that title. <laughs> that was a great one. But I think, you know, having a central repository for, you know, global large companies that are across the entire world to understand what tech do we have? Are we doubling up on our spend for dif different tech that does the same thing in different theaters and you know having that center of excellence and kind of a repository of people to go to someone who can really work with the procurement team and the finance team to figure out what is it that we need and privacy laws you know just like holly said i think is really important um but also then i think it kind of segues into having this center of excellence is having a contingency plan for you know all the different technologies and processes so that it's not just every piece of knowledge about your system is in one person's brain um that you have multiple people across the business you know hopefully if you're at that point that you can start to scale and have headcount mm -hmm. um that more than just one person knows what's going on in the back end right and presumably things like tech stack audits and um keep keeping track of of what's in the stack um and documentation and so on would 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 be part of that 
Absolutely. Documentation is key. And I think that's where a center of excellence really can help. Now, some people might be saying, my company is way too small for a center of excellence. You know, we've got a team of one. I'm the center of everything. So there is obviously going to be, you know, a Still scaling a point. Still a COE, yeah. Center yeah. of everything. The center of everything. Yeah, exactly. So there's obviously a point to scale where you start to support, you know, different regions and geographic areas where they do start to have their own requests um, and being able to justify that up to leadership and seeing, you know, this is really important because of redundancies in spend or in skill set. You know, we need to understand uh, what everyone needs in order to accomplish their goals for the quarters. Right, right. We just need to avoid SPOFs. Go on. Single points of failure. Indeed, indeed. There's mm. an acronym for everything, isn't there? <laughs> um, what I was going to say is around centre of excellence. Whenever I talk about it, I always think of massive, large global organisations and, and multiple different countries. And actually, it doesn't have to be that large or complex. Centres of excellence, just having you know the best skills. Um, it could just be multiple locations in 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 one country. Um, so I think it's it's something that everybody should really try and listen to and not think, oh, that's too big for me, or we're not a global business, um, but we might be multi-locational. Yeah. yeah, I think you could even have a center of excellence with as small as like three or four people, but just kind of identifying people to support different regions or different theaters um, or spe specialize in certain channels or tactics, mm -hmm. because then instead of you know, a field marketer or a salesperson in Melbourne, Australia, not knowing who to reach out to and sending a Slack message to everyone saying, I need this, I need that. They know where to go to. So it's almost like serving your internal team as well. From, you know, a point of view of having put in a couple of um, shared service centers into global organizations, being able to give somebody access to best practice, you know, vendors that they wouldn't normally be able to afford or technology they wouldn't be able to afford. Um, was absolutely uh, incredible for them, um, but also maintaining the brand and making sure that assets weren't used that were, you know, we've all seen it, right, you know, everybody doing their own little marketing thing and, and standardization across the company was, was huge. Um, so, so another big plus there outside of tech, obviously, outside of tech. Yeah, I mean, tech is obviously important and I love marketing operations. Holly said it's the best department within marketing and I totally agree, but I, we cannot underestimate the importance of the people. I mean, the people and personalities and bringing stakeholders together is so important. Mm. And you can't treat filling headcount and filling teams, you know, whether you're um, hiring, you know, talent or training talent, getting that collaboration uh, amongst the different personalities on your team is is challenging and really, really important because you're you not just let, implementing tech. Let, let's talk about people whilst we've got a couple of minutes to do that because we've had a few questions this morning, um, Courtney, that you, you won't have heard around how do we find MOPS people or how do we train MOPS people and, and where are they? You're clearly not from round here, um, across the pond as such. Like, what, What's the great resignation and, and job talent pool like for you? It is the Wild West over here. I feel like every time I turn around, someone's announcing, you know, either they've gotten a new job or they're hiring and their companies. And it really is a, a global concern. Um, I think there's a lot that can be done to try and retain talent. You know, some of it is going to be inevitable with the state of the economy in the world right now. But I think a big part of it is that tech debt and contingency plan. You know, if you do have a, a MOPS team of one or two or three, but they're managing 38 platforms and vendors and they are the single source of knowledge for that they're getting bombarded with information you know of course they're going to be a little burnt out and overwhelmed so i think managing that 
is really important. And actually just got a newsletter this morning from Chief Martech, um, who talked about, you know, build versus buy. We've talked a lot about with technology, but he put a spin on it and mentioned that also talks about people. Are you building the skill set within your team or are you buying it? Are you bringing in the experts and buying it? And I think everyone needs to kind of think about the, the scale of their team and the skills that they have in-house versus when they want to bring in an expert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I, I um, Yeah, that build versus buy debate, um, you know, pops up from time to time. And I must say, I can never really understand the argument for building MarTech. Um, it's not like there's a, a shortage of solutions to choose from. But um, that idea, and it touches back on what we were just talking to Holly there about, of, of, of building the talent, um, uh, that, that, you know, that definitely makes sense. And then, and then perhaps buying the tech. Um, and also that, that point about tech debt, which is a real IT techie term, but um, I think it's one that we, sh we should definitely be adopting in, in marketing technology um, because um, that, that notion of debt and um, you know, you've got to pay it back sometime is something that I think um, we, should, we should be keeping in mind so that you know, we manage the complexity and, and then you know, avoid the single points of failure and, and all those sorts of things. So I think um, that's, uh, that's a crucial point. Yeah, it can be really tempting to go and buy a lot of tech. You see other companies doing it and you hear case studies about you know, XYZ company implemented something and their revenue grew, but really deciding with your MarTech council or team, you know, a global team, what is the tech that we really need that is gonna make a difference? And do we have the internal resources to manage it? Technical debt for me is like the Rumpelstiltskin uh, conversation. You know, at some point, if you don't get it right, you're going to pay mm -hmm. uh, big time. So yeah, do your planning, yeah. know that name. Anyway, right, we're coming to the end of our time, Courtney, the fantastic Courtney Makara um, joining us from overseas. If you want to hear more conversations with Courtney uh, and indeed with some of our other guests, you know, make sure you check out the podcast anyway. But um, thanks, Courtney. Stick around. Look at that with their mug. And the, if you listen to last last episode, um, we when we shipped the, the the mug over to her, the handle snapped off. So she's been gluing that in true marketing operations style, you know, fixing broken processes. So so yeah, we we'll round off now. Hold on there though, because we're going to go to um, a little bit of Q and A, um, and hopefully we've got Holly around somewhere as well. Indeed. Let's move so. into that. All being well, we'll be joined again by both Holly and Courtney, um, which just gives us time to uh, ask if there are any questions. There's a guy there who wants a chocolate orange. Just gotta grab the microphone. With the I'm same. glad you caught that, otherwise there was litigation coming, wasn't there? I literally there? am not, I have no hand-eye coordination, so I am impressed oh, by myself as well. <laughs> Um, I've been hearing a lot about kind of hub and spoke models. I work for a global um, corporate and we're going through kind of a really big transformation at the moment, trying to create a center of excellence around digital as a whole. So not just, you know, taking mops, taking mm -hmm. go-to-market, multi-channel campaigns so we can serve all the different business units effectively. What we're facing is we've got a hub and spoke model with spokes trying to be hubs, hubs trying to be spokes, oh. and... <laughs> loads of challenges so what would be you know the top three things that we could do so we can make enough you know be an effective team and get that business trust and really be you know really achieve that center of excellence well look holly i don't want to throw you on the spot but you are the most experienced <laughs> in this model so have you got any thoughts before we have to make something up uh, well yeah i mean i think it's i definitely think i can see why it's a problem i think that one of the things i'd say certainly first of all is, is that defining those responsibilities 
because you don't want the same, you don't need the same roles and responsibilities in in your spokes as in your hub, if that makes sense. They, your spokes should be doing a different role. Your hub, I think, really needs to be that kind of, they own the governance, they own the tools and the processes. Um, I think that's one, one thing. Um, I would also say uh, the role, like I mentioned the role that I have, it's kind of the bit between the two. I think that there's definitely, um, I know I'm biased, but I can. I think there's something to be said for having somebody in that role, somebody that sort of connecting the, the dots between the two sections. Now, if they're already battling and there's no defined responsibilities, then that's gonna be a horrible job and no one's gonna to want to do it. But I think that you um, you need a go-between. Um, you need someone who's gonna translate um, translate the yeah. issues yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and say, look, you know what? global um this is what's the reality in emir and this is what we need right now um and also emir this is what we're trying to do globally and let's try and be you know good corporate citizens when it comes to this so i think that they would be my two two of my um comments recommendations yeah we we hear about mops uh, the conversations we have being the glue um within marketing and so i think that plays into what you're saying and, and also the, the go-between across different aspects of the business and, and even within marketing if it is a, a bigger situation so uh, but I think definition of roles is, is really the, the crux of that isn't it and there's something really key for, for me around um, there's a lot of peacekeeping that you have to do as well and and you get lots of personalities and departments vying for the the whole point about centers of excellence or the hub and spoke model is standardization it means that your entire business can be as good um, to one standard across all, but in, inevitably by bringing the little guys up to that standard, you also have to bring the big guys down a little bit. And that isn't a nice story or a nice conversation to have with someone who's like, what, we're the best country in the group and suddenly you want us to step down and use that technology. Making sure that everybody understands what the common goal is for the business is the most important activity to, throughout all of it but reach out to holly after this and, and see if you can get some more more support right i think our satellite link up is going to be uh running out of steam <laughs> any any second now do we have time for one more quick question who we got to talk about skills where does a good mops person come from are they oh, technical oh. turned into marketing or marketing turned into technical what an awesome question that that is brilliant i mean i'm, I'm a believer i've been in mops all my life so i'm a believer that it's it's in you um, and that you'll find yourself, I was writing an article the other day around my first job, which was a graphic designer, which is not Mops, but actually I was an artwork repro. So it was my job to take a logo back in the 90s when you couldn't just digitize it and turn it into a digital file, thus to be printed. So effectively what I was doing was taking some information, working out a process, digitizing it using technology and then executing it. That's Mops, right? So I think it's kind of born in you, but you know, I would, you know, Courtney, do you want to, do you want to jump in? You've always been in, in oh, man, chicken or the egg question. It yeah. is very interesting. I, I do think some people are innately drawn to it. Um, having some sort of math or statistics or logic background really helps, but I didn't do any of those in school, but you know, I have the story about when I would go on family vacation, I wanted to pack the trunk or the boot excuse me, with all yeah, the luggage and make everything fit. <laughs> um, I wanted to reorganize the refrigerator. So, you know, someone that wants to kind of be a little confused, but make things work out. 
Um, and I went into marketing because I thought it was fun and flashy and that's what all the cool kids in college were taking. But then I got into a marketing job and I was around graphic designers like Carla that were talking about tone and color and brand language. And I was like, I do not get this. So I was kind of attracted to it. So I do think there needs to be that innate you know, desire to, to look at some data, yeah, but you cannot discount the, the personality because it is so political and bringing stakeholders together. You, you don't stick a bunch of mop people in a basement and just ask them to program things because that is a re recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah I've, I've run job adverts where I've literally said, you probably are the person that organizes the, you know, your friend's holidays or you've got a spreadsheet for tracking something or other. If that's you, I want you, I want to hire you. I want I want you to come and work for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like group therapy then. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I I think so. I want to congratulate you on you you all on being part of a great interactive session. But the fact that you actually but your last point, Simon, plays back to this because I think the fact that you did this is just because you were busy. You double booked yourself, wasn't it? Right? You know, you had a podcast. Oh shit, Marketo, Martokopia. Oh right. I I thought so. Um, it's been a great session. Thank you all very very much indeed. Thank um, you. Well, uh, that's it. There is no more. Uh, if you enjoyed the session, then uh, do subscribe to the podcast. And um, with that, unless there's anything else you'd like to add? No, indeed. You may want to join us on the podcast if you're a marketing leader or a marketing operations leader. And uh, certainly you can just check it out on whatsmops.com. And you can also just come and get some chocolate if there's any left. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Holly and Courtney. Thanks both. Simon, that was the most fun I've had in any of the podcasts we've recorded so far. Maybe we'll be allowed to do it again. Let's look forward to that being the case and all being well, we will be back. Or this is a shamelessly asking people to invite us to do the podcast at whatever event they have. Please, Joel, can we come and do it again <laughs> next year? Absolutely. Okay, right. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into the uh, marketing leader segment and uh, see what interesting uh, conversations we can have there. Let's go. And so without further ado, we will move to our marketing leader segment in a slightly different format. Carla, who are we speaking to now? So this episode has been a mix-up of the, of the usual formats, um, and this one is no different. We're lucky enough to have not one, but two powerhouses of marketing strategy and execution. Uh, and in keeping with our theme from earlier on and fresh from the Martecopia conference, we're joined today by speakers, trainers, and marketing legends. That are Shane Redding, owner of marketing consultancy Think Direct, and Steve Kemish, CEO of end-to-end -end growth partner IMG. Welcome on board. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're very welcome. It's uh, great to have some uh, some fellow uh, podcast podcasters, indeed the king and queen of podcasting. So uh, thank you very much for, uh, for for joining us. And that's a um, shameless plug for your three series strong podcast. Exactly. Um, yes. If anybody did have some extra time in their life to go and listen to that, they wanted to go back and listen. Are to you going to name it? Um, you, you, what, no, we learn? Not, you can't, yeah, what we learn? Yeah. What we learn? What we've learnt, www.podcast.co.uk or on LinkedIn. Uh, and oh, I'll edit that bit out, Simon, don't worry. <laughs> sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, Shane, tell us a bit more about what, your, uh, what you do day to day and uh, what, uh, what, what takes up your time. 
Oh, a lovely introduction, but I'm always worried being introduced as a legend because I mean, legend in itself is ancient. Um, <laughs> so as everybody doesn't know me, that means just I've been around quite a long time working in this space. But at the moment, I'm very focused on coming out of um, sort of the whole period of uncertainty the last two years that everybody else has, a bit of the theme of Martecopia and actually what that means. So a lot of my consulting work at the moment is in strategic transformation, really looking deep into marketing and making it fit for the future. But interestingly enough, not just tied to the tech, but bringing teams back together. They've had so long apart. And actually a lot of the work I'm doing is workshops and those opportunities for people to work in the room together. Right, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I'm noticing that myself, that, that um, that dynamic of get, getting back to the office. And I, I do think that um, there's an element by which businesses are almost forgetting that um, you, you need to include people and uh, incorporate people back into the fold. So uh, I, can, I can certainly imagine the demand for that. Um, let's see if we, can, uh, if we can touch back on that. Steve, so apart from podcasting, what else, uh, mm-hmm. what else do you get up to? Um, the, the bulk of my time is, as Carla said, IMG, Intermediate Global. Uh, so I am part of a team of people that focus with quite a lot of organizations in, in different markets on trying to help them grow. So powering the growth through three pillars, really. Data, which is our heartland originally, technology and campaigns. Um, so hopefully there's a reason for me to be here, which is I spend a lot of time in and around organizations that do or don't have marketing operations functions, but certainly have people, marketing departments trying to use technology uh, and trying to find the best possible fuels for that, um, which often are data and content that you shove down that pipe work. Right, right. No, I think that's the, the perspective that we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, Steve, around you not seeing huge amounts of marketing operations um, teams within your clients. Do you have a a view or your experience of um, the kind of companies that do, the kind of companies that don't, or at least the the change over time of where that's moving to? Um, I don't think there's a pattern. I've not seen a pattern in terms of, you know, you couldn't classify as this industry tends to have marketing operations function. This one doesn't. I think it's probably an element of culture. So from a leadership point of view, as it often is in an organization, are there people at the top of that tree that understand this world well enough to realize why they should invest? So if you've got a stakeholder at the board level, that sort of thing, um, I think is often dressed up in different names. So, you know, mm-hmm. marketing operations, I thought it was really interesting. I listened to your podcast with Kerry from HomeServe talking about it being now actually marketing communications and I was in marketing communications when I first I was client side for the first half of my career and I was in a marketing communications function looking after and this was back in the the 90s through to the early noughties of online and digital which is my background Um, so I think there might well be more marketing operations functions in organizations than we realize because they've got an array of names I don't think we've seen that standardization yet I definitely see a trend. I saw it come out of the tech companies because they had the tech. And in fact, if you look at the sort of emergence, I think, of MOPS, it came out of companies, the vendors selling MarTech. I see those as being the really early leaders and understanding, oh, gosh, actually, to run these engines, 
you know, whether the CRM or your marketing automation or, you know, the whole stack spine, we need a specialist team. And so I did see it come from there. I think there's real strengths in that tech area, also in um, telecommunications. I think they're stronger, have been doing it longer. Mm -hmm. um, what I see sort of, I suppose, in terms of the change is, is the, the role has grown hugely um, and as Steve's already touched on you know it's much more than tech very much processes because you can't run the tech unless you've defined great processes there's still a huge weakness out there and we've already touched on people I think there's much more rightly so uh, an emphasis on people skills um, and what we bring to the party working together mm. not just mops but I think there's a key role for MOPS managing stakeholders too. And, and so talking about skills piece, you, you obviously do a, a MOPS training course, Shane, for, for B2B marketing. You, you, you've been running that. What, what sort of skills do, do you see as, as being most important and, and who are the people that are looking to acquire those skills when, when you're delivering those, those courses? I think I'll start with the who comes because I think that's fascinating. Mm. I was really thrilled and delighted the last time I ran it, which was digitally, to have a couple of heads off MOPS roles right. and they okay. were coming for affirmation. You know, yeah. what are we doing? Are we doing the right thing? Are we doing the same things? And again, back to our last two years, we've been really inwardly focused. It's been very difficult to find out what other companies have been doing. And what I love about these courses is companies of all sizes, all differences, all B2B, but coming together in the room to share commonalities. And actually, often it's as much about, oh, goodness me, I'm not the only one that's got that mm -hmm. problem. And I suppose the bit I like to bring to it, hopefully, is some new ways of thinking, thinking differently and about focus, because sometimes I find the focus is on the wrong things. In, in terms of, of the priorities that people have or just Indeed. Not aligned, Simon, to the business mm -hmm. strategy. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So and does I mean does that mean too too taken up with the technology and not not on on the, the too siloed thinking? I mean, doesn't necessarily just need to be even about the technology but just too down in the in the weeds in the day-to-day -day, not looking up not looking at what's the really big problem that actually mops i think is in such an amazing place to solve particularly if you've got a really good handle on your data and insight and you've got some good tools for your analytics because you've got you've got the answers but maybe you're not asking the right question and that's where I think mops need to go out and be involved in the wider business to really understand the questions the business wants answered not the ones that mops are answering I love that Shane you know just just thinking about we're so in the weeds and this is day-to-day -day life you know if we're we're so in the weeds that we just forget to look up sometimes and just look up and see what the bigger problem is I think that's a really really common issue and um, that I'm certainly hearing from clients as well um, who are trying to tackle problems that are just not relevant, really. But yeah, great point. So, Steve, you mentioned earlier around digital marketing um, being your bag, and also you've um, you've got data and martech within your business as well. What what do you think the relationship between mops and digital marketing is these days? So, digital marketing does does digital marketing exist? Discuss right. So, there's the first challenge. Um, without getting too too meta on us, um, 
it's a digital marketing because it's new to the party is often shoved off into its own area and discipline so mm-hmm. you've got marketing you've got digital marketing perhaps you've got mops appearing on the scene um and therefore so instinctively you've got a challenge i think you've got friction because you've got digital marketing and mops not necessarily managed owned looked after under the same roof so you know we all know there's internal department conflicts now so that's that's perhaps the state of being for a lot of organizations the question is is that how it should be should everybody together and i think as as you said you know my background is digital marketing by nature of accident that i happened to get into marketing at a point that digital was arriving and i was in the wrong meetings at the right time or whatever you want to say that mm-hmm. I ended up doing that I don't see different people when I see digital marketing people and, and mops people, I think, because it's it's mm. all about the technology. So I think if I turn it around in a slightly different way, digital marketing people that use digital need mops people because marketing and technology are not necessarily the same skill set. There's that art and science blending that's required. I mean, does it so, does it does it make sense because you know what I've struggled with this a little bit in terms of where where the line is drawn and so on. And where I've tried to position it is things like, you know, digital marketing is media purchase and placement, um, you know, keywords, creating ad copy and and these kinds of things, social media execution, paid and and organic uh, and what have you. And then the, the, the marketing operations contribution is, you know, is, is the, the integration and the plumbing, um, you know, I, I just um, oversaw um, an initiative to um, capture, you know, UTMs through um, all, all of the digital activity and, and uh, through into ultimately to Salesforce and, and in, into the analytics stack. Um, and, you know, the, as I say, the demarcation I was trying to make was the, the underlying functionality of making that happen is mopped. I think it's a really good way of looking at it. It's, you know, in simple terms, for, for me, um, digital marketing is the, the bit above, it's the tip of the iceberg, it's the bit you can see. Yeah. The mop stuff is the stuff behind the scenes or under the under the waterline. It, it's the midfield team, it's the wingers that put the ball in the, in the box for the striker to, to score. Yeah. And that striker is digital marketing. I think the, the really interesting thing, as I said, back to marketing is typical marketers, even now, even people that have come into roles that have grown up with the Internet, so digital natives, marketing is a discipline still that is at odds with technology. Um, and I think if you've got a marketing department, you've got digital marketing requirements, you've got marketing people in technology, but you may well be missing the bit you really need is the mops, because without your... Um, structure what happens is marketing people are having to be mops people um and it's not you know and marketo or whatever product you want to name people that don't normally use that are being given the tools and go go on get on with it and their digital marketing is measured on the basis of their mops ability and and it's funny isn't it because there's there's four of us here who are let's say relatively experienced marketers and yet we're still struggling between us to draw the lines or see where the lines start and, and stop between marketing, digital marketing, marketing operations, and, and dare I say it, MarTech and, and any of the other um, acronyms we want to bring into, into it as well. That's where I go back to Kerry again, Carla, I thought was w- with marketing communications that although it's a, it feels to me at least like a slightly old discipline or naming convention, yeah. but it means something to organizations. Yeah. And that may be part of this is that 
the, the organization doesn't have mops, doesn't realize what it is, firstly, and doesn't realize actually it's marketing communications. It's the people that were the ones supporting that midfield that was supporting your strikers to get the campaigns out of the door into the back of the net. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I think that's an interesting point. And, and yeah, without getting drawn off down into you know, marketing communications versus um, demand generation versus growth marketing. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for the term marketing communications for a, what it says on the tin aspect. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's. But maybe we should stop drawing lines. It's the old way of doing things and we need to be more comfortable working in a blurred world. Yeah, um, and I think that could be really important for all of us. But do, do you think, Shane, that uh, and yeah, I, I, we um, I think we were even joking about this, uh, weren't we, in, in the live segment. But, um, you know, the notion that maybe, you know, MOPS goes away and, and it just becomes, you know, part of, of the marketing skill set. But do you, I mean, I've got a vested interest, I'll, I'll freely admit. But do, do you not think that there, there just there needs to be somebody focused on this stuff, particularly at, at any kind of scale? Because otherwise, it, 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 as you say, it gets blurred and potentially lost in, in day to day. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've lines are there in order to demark responsibilities and measure stuff which we're mm. good at in mobs. Mm -hmm. However, we all know that lines and barriers create silos. Right. What I'm saying is not to do away with it, but is to recognise specialist skill sets which we need more and more you know deeper vertical skill sets that absolutely need this function but we've got to somehow be better at bleeding those out um, into the rest of the function and I think that's the bit I, I worry about if we try and draw too rigid a line that we need to be better at getting these skills into other areas. And I think though, um, to the point about lines, it, that as, as we found, Carla, that there's there's no right answer. I think it's a matter of in in the particular circumstances and, and environment, just agreeing what the rules of engagement are. So going back to you know what, what I was saying about digital and mops, you know, as long as everybody's clear um it, it it doesn't really matter mm. um as long as within a given business everyone's agreed on, on what what the responsibilities are so shane you you, you talked about the emergence of, of marketing operations from from tech and and that that's definitely my experience in in the kind of by my reckoning decade and a half maybe of of the term marketing operations do, what what sort of changes have you seen would, would you say it's evolved Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we've touched on quite a lot and Steve mentioned culture. I think it depends on the culture of an organisation as to what roles MOPS picks up. But certainly it's no longer about buying tech or making tech work better. Mm. Huge part of time I'm seeing with client focuses is integration or even getting rid of tech, something we've right. talked about before. Mm. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, one we haven't touched on, which I think is going to become increasingly important that MOPS has a very good, clear role, back to what you were saying, Simon, is governance. Um, because actually, if, you, if, if you're responsible for designing processes, good, robust processes that are auditable, then they should be feeding into your governance processes. And actually, I think it's a weakness in marketing to align 
that sort of thinking, which often comes from another area, yet another silo, which could be legal compliance, mm -hmm. but yeah. actually to really think about your data flows, your customer touch points, which of course the excellence to me lies in MOPS of understanding that, to really understand what that means for your whole privacy go to market yeah good governance is a great word um, we do an awful lot of process re-engineering we talk about governance a lot but people tend to be turned off you know you've mentioned governance compliance anything like that and everybody just goes oh and i really think it's important that those that can and whether that is marketing operations i think it is um do throw their arms around that and and take that on yeah. it's a, and that and, and that's my point really about having having somebody or a group that that do have a little bit of bandwidth to, to be able to think about those things because it's it's always the bottom of the list. Um, and at least if someone's got the responsibility for it, they, they should be able to put some focus on it. But that's the great thing, Simon. I think, you know, that, that's another area that in terms of the way MOPS has, has changed, it doesn't have to be in-house. And actually, I think there's much right. more understanding of, well, if that is one of our areas of responsibility, but we don't have the expertise, the great news is that there is expertise. They won't know your processes um, or systems, but they absolutely understand what the, the governance process for good data flow should be. And those, those experts are out there and you can bring them in and make them part of your team. And I right. think that's another way that actually um, MOPS teams are changing because you need to carry on changing. You might need that for the next six months and then you're up to speed and then you need to move on to the next thing. I think you make a really good point around, well, two really good points in there, Shane, around governance, as, as Carla said, that's got, in my mind's eye, it's like, oh no, they're the fun police now. That's going to ruin <laughs> marketing operations, recruitment agencies. But if you turn it on its head and say, well, look, somebody needs to be responsible for optimizing and maximizing our data, it's the same thing, right? But it's just the positive spin on it. So I think that's an opportunity. I think the skills that you need to do that, to your point, um, so if you've, if you've got no governance at all, or you've just had problems with misuse, then you definitely need that in. But I, I would argue you don't need that in full time from here. So it's not as if you need to start recruiting. So I think, yeah, you can augment your internal capabilities with the right sets of people on the journey. So, you know, for this quarter, we need somebody who really is strong on process we need right. somebody who's really strong on governance next quarter actually next quarter we're going to need somebody from a data point of view and and we and other organizations will structure in that kind of almost look you, you just you swap the talent the skills out based on where you are on the journey not yeah. you've got a fixed overhead or a fixed retainer on people that you no longer need yeah, and that that's something that we've seen, isn't it, Carla? From 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 conversations, and indeed, Kerry um, mentioned outsourcing and, and others that we've sp spoken to. Mike at Thunderhead um, makes makes a lot of use of uh, of outsourcing. So, yeah, um, that's that's not not a, an uncommon model. There are now just so many skills and so many jobs that that sit around in the marketing operations space that it's almost impossible to have that under one roof. Um, so we're just seeing more more often the people we talk to are saying that they have some kind of outsource. What advice um, would you give to companies to, who don't have a marketing operations team to sort of get started knowing how big it is, as we've just discussed? I think if you're trying to put budget, a justification for budget to do more, I think that's going to be very hard. I think it's a fairly safe assumption that, so why would you want a marketing operation functions? Two questions for me. Are you in business? 
would you like to stay in business? Because, you know, in, they're going to have a marketing function of some description, in, internally, externally, or both. They're going to have, if they're doing marketing technology, and they're probably, if not definitely, underutilizing that technology. So I think the, the first business case for any kind of marketing ops support or team or structure is how do we reduce the cost of our technology or how do we get growth out of what we've got? Um, rather than, uh, yeah, next year we're going to build a marketing ops team and we're going to yeah. see what we can do. So I think you've got to approach it from a business first mindset of, and I say, I think the real opportunity is um, because it's quite hard to back technology out in a certain sizes of organization mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. we, we've got to make this work. We, we need, you know, I've got a nice car. I don't know how to drive it properly. Let's get some advanced driving lessons and do it rather than try and you know get rid of it or add even worse add even more technology on top absolutely and, and do you know what i'll echo that sentiment and as a consultant sometimes it's a, this is a bit you know preaching you preaching to your own choir but um uh, get help you know get help seek advice and it doesn't have to be from expensive consultants it just has to be you know from somebody in the industry that may have done it before um but but take some advice and, and get mm. some help would always and, be and take it early as well there's mm. a malcolm mm. gladwell um wrote a really interesting essay on pull the goalie um so he's a big ice hockey fan being canadian and he, he looked and studied that in in ice hockey matches if you're losing in the last couple of minutes they normally pull the goalie out get rid of him and put an outfield player in but his stats say it's way too late if you if you want to win an ice hockey match you need to pull the goalie in the first half but that's really uncomfortable right. for the audience the crowd they're like what the hell is the manager doing getting rid of the goalie at this point that, that you know mm. if you if you've got technology pull the goalie now get sort sort it because you are on a slow crash into a cliff if you don't understand that if it's not quite working now it definitely isn't going to be working in the future when there's real pressure on you to make it perform to that point steve it's really interesting because i've just like come off at literally just another call with a client and it might be the technology's working but actually it's your process that's mm -hmm. not working. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, it's a sort of a... Or your fuel. Or your fuel. It's your nuance, really. And, and that example is this, this client has got too much demand. Oh, what an amazing problem to have. Mm -hmm. Because the top part of the, the engine is working brilliantly. But where it's all falling over is the classic leaky funnel. I mean, no, we shouldn't talk about funnels any, but it's, a, it's an easy one to understand. They're mm. not converting, you know, and the reason being is because the tech's not quite so good in the middle of the funnel, but even worse is all the human bit that goes with it. And that's just not, you know, being defined properly at all. So I think it's such a great point about where's the problem, fix it. Whether it's your tech, whether it's your people, whether it's your processes, start there. I'd love to get into the uh, funnel, not funnel thing, Shane, but we're running out of time. So um, let's draw to a conclusion. We've kind of touched on, I guess, where marketing operations has come from and, and, uh, and, and how it's progressed. So let's close that out with um, where you, you see it going in the future. The, the question that often comes up or the, the point that often comes up is, you know, are, are we on a journey towards revenue operations um, and, and the combination of, of, of those functions across the business? Or as, as we've touched on, are, are we just looking at, um, at it being kind of subsumed back into day-to-day um, uh, -day marketing? What, what do you think? I think Steve nailed it by saying that MOPS is the powerhouse of running a more effective and efficient marketing department. Mm -hmm. Did he say that? 
Did he say that? <laughs> it, it, it was implied. It was implied. I've seen it as a meme. I'm sure. And Steve, what um, what what do you see as the the, the future direction or or um, you know journey that we're on? I see it as a powerhouse. <laughs> of, uh, so I think um, the bit that bothers me, right, Simon, is mm. back to the kind of I think it's almost the branding or understanding of operations. I think the word operations is not doing any favors to the people that are marketing operations. Okay, experts. right. Because operations feels a bit uh, kind of functional and a mm-hmm. bit, you know, the guy out the back, the geeky one, yeah. the geeky girl over there that we don't really understand what she does, but I think it's quite important, presses buttons. So there may be just an element of PR here of um, actually, can we sizzle what this stands for to help, and, and not sizzle it for the sake of it, but if we help people mm. truly understand the value of marketing operations, people yeah. mm-hmm. not only will be there an influx of talent because people go that's quite cool i can do that it's a cool job but there'll be more mm-hmm. people and back to that how do you get stakeholders at the right level is to understand why this is this is so because as you know that direction of travel of uh, chief revenue officers for example that's mm-hmm. bloody obvious and easy to sell into an organization so right. they're responsible for making more money mm-hmm. cool i want one of them yeah i don't necessarily want more mm-hmm. operational people mm-hmm. there is a renaming already going on and it's, there's a bit of a land grab. And it was quite interesting. It came up at Martechopia, actually. Centres of excellence. Right. And yeah. I think, you know, what people aren't doing is, is calling it a MOP centre of excellence in the main. It's either a digital or a demand uh, centre of excellence. But I think that may be the route it goes. Yeah. Um, because I think Steve made, yeah, another brilliant point um it's time for a rebrand yeah well that that, that is a good point I, I mean i do agree operate uh, operations is is hardly an aspirational name or title and like i mentioned if if marcoms can go through two or three iterations then uh, yeah it, it must be time must we must be due a rebrand on uh, on marketing operations um on that note i think we'll have to draw to a Conclusion. Thank you so much, Shane, Steve, um, everything we were expecting. So thank you so much for your time and um, look forward to uh, having the chance to do it again soon. Thanks both. And should you have any questions on deploying marketing operations in the real world or anything else you would like to talk to Shane or Steve about, they can both be found on LinkedIn and Twitter. Links in the show notes. And that's our podcast. Carla, what's MOPS got to do with it? Well, what an interesting episode we've just had uh, and something that's very, very different from the norm. So scooping up all of that great advice from um, the live event and uh, studio conversation. Let's start with Holly Gage. Uh, Holly spoke to us at Martechopia. Um, Holly's currently, I think she's the spoke to the hub and spoke model at, at Okta. Um, I'm sure she, she would love to be described as such. I'm th- I actually think she has told me she's a spoke before now, so I, yeah. that's why I'm quite comfortable that I'm not offending her too badly. Um, send complaints it's, somewhere it's else. It's better than a stick in the spoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Holly and Okta are operating the Global Centre of Excellence, um, and it's really nice to be able to talk to somebody that is understands it and is doing it really well and, and successfully. Um, I think that's something that Shane mentioned as well later on, but I think we're going to hear lots and lots of, of noise around uh, centres of excellence um, and, and global infrastructures. Um, 
she also spoke around mops and martech being the same and again another conversation that that we had again in the studio which was around this naming naming of marketing operations slash martech slash you know marketing digital marketing um things are starting to become interchangeable um and i don't think that we've nailed them down yet so there's going to be some some changes in the future and the final thing that I, I took away from Holly's conversation was the need for um, a, a career pathway for marketing operations people. Um, and going back to, to last episode, um, Kerry Lowe mentioning that the sort of poor relation marketing operations that it was. And, and now even when my marketing operations colleagues are finding their ways into, into the career, there's no real clear pathway of where they should go. And I think that is something we'll start to see developed in the near future. Um, and then Courtney, what can I say about our Courtney, who joined us live in the very, very early morning at, uh, at the Martechopia event. So um, she echoed everything that was discussed in the, the Centres of Excellence. What she did mention, however, was documentation. This is a true MOPS person. This is somebody who's got my MOPS heart here. Um, document everything, write it all down. Do not let anybody become a single point of failure, even if that is a Centre of Excellence. Centre of Excellence until we didn't write down what excellence looks like. Um, she also talked about retaining talent when we were we were in the throes of talking about um, career pathways. Um, so, yeah, Courtney really got on board with that. Um, and then into the leaders, Shane and Steve, who are always a pleasure to talk to because they're just so old and experienced. Um, Shane fantastically talked about bringing teams back together again, something I think we've we've started to lose the skill of over the last two years. Um, couple of points I found really interesting about her conversation was um, lots of MOPS people attending trainings looking for affirmation. Blimey, we're not even comfortable yet that, that we've got it anywhere near right. Um, so that was really nice and also a bit of affirmation as well that, that that's happening. So. Never, never goes amiss. Exactly. Um, so even affirmation for me, that affirmation is taking place, I think, in some weird way. But uh, yeah, great. Now, now, now you're just getting meta. No, no, you're meta. Meta, meta for Mace. Anyway, um, so she also talked about integration, something really close to my heart. Governance, another thing really close to my heart. Um, uh, she then mentioned Centre of Excellence as well. So all of these things are starting to echo in, in the marketing operations chamber. Um, and Steve, I loved that Steve bought the mops dressed in, in different names, different outfits. Um, and, and even digital marketing is that mops. Um, in some cases it is, in some cases it, it's slightly different. Um, the name can be off-putting for people. And I think the thing that really resonated with me from what Steve said was pick the thing that resonates in your business. So, you know, if you don't like Marcoms, but Marcoms is the thing that people listen to, or you don't like RevOps or whatever, it, it kind of doesn't matter. What matters is, is that you get heard and you get that seat at the table. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was super interesting. Mate. I, I could go on, Simon. What, what about you? Is there anything that you picked out of uh, either of the conversations? Well, uh, I, I, once again, I think you, you've you covered it all, Carla. Um, yeah, I, I think um, what, what in, in, in overall terms for me, it's just lots of great advice on actually doing marketing operations on the ground and what it means in real life. So I think um, I just recommend listening to the whole thing again and taking notes. Yeah, best episode yet in summary. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, I think we pulled it off. It was uh, it was always going to be touch and go, and uh, all all being well, it's uh, it's worked out. I hope so.
So, okay, I've already said it once, but I'll say it again. That's it. There is no more. Thanks again for listening to this special episode nine of What's Mops Got to Do With It. Thanks to our guests, Holly Gage, Shane Redding, and Steve Kemish, plus, of course, Courtney Makara. Check out whatsmops.com, where you can find show notes and also listen to all of our previous episodes and take notes. You can also get in touch with us via the website or LinkedIn. It's great to hear from you with feedback, comments, and suggestions for future episodes. Comment and rate us on your preferred podcast platform. It really helps spread the word. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to receive the next episode in your feed. Next time, we will be speaking to somebody called Toby Daniels. On Who's, all that? Who's that? No idea. No idea. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and work out what that's all about. Um, he'll be talking to us about all things Web3, as mentioned, so that should be a pretty interesting conversation. Uh, and also Lauren Samuel, Director of Marketing Operations at Tiger Connect. And as always, we'll grab a virtual coffee with Courtney. So goodbye from me, Simon Daniels. And me, Carla Wentworth. <laughs>